and welcome to the Ashley Webster Experience. I'm here with Brian Solomon, executive producer, and our guest today is Bert Flickinger. He is the uh, managing director of Strategic Resource Group. It's a consumer industry business consulting firm. It's headquartered in New York City, but but that doesn't tell the story. Welcome, by the way. Thanks Thank for you. coming in. Uh, you are essentially the retail guru, and, and that sounds a bit flip because it doesn't do you justice at all, but um, you have spent your entire life as your father and grandfather in the retail business, how to grow the business, how to brand the business, and how to get consumers to come in and spend money. I mean, it's, it's a basic thing, but it's not easy. Um, just give me a little bit of your background, Bert. I, our family came out of an orphanage, uh, d- didn't even know their last name was Flickinger, and they were raised by farmers because uh, great-grandmother died in childbirth uh, to twins, uh, 12th and 13th kids. Uh, so they they kept their six-year-old daughter uh, to run the house. Uh, eight-year-old was the youngest they kept to work on the farm, and all the kids below five were put in foster homes mm-hmm. and orphanages. And then they were told uh, when they were 21 that their real name wasn't uh, Prentice, the farmer's family that mm-hmm. raised them, but Flickinger. And they got together and started a farm stand and a fruit stand. And then um, uh, they were treated badly uh, when there were no antitrust laws uh, by AMP, which is twice as big as Walmart. So they created retail franchising, gave it away for free. And then collateralized uh, their inventory and, and uh, crops and what they had in the stores mm. to co-finance uh, retailers from Australia and across uh, North America and Europe to open red and white stores first and then ultimately IGA stores. Uh, so that, that all goes back to the Flickinger yeah, kids. Yeah. That's remi- from such humble beginnings. It has grown remarkably. I mean, yeah. you must. I know you know the story clearly, or one of the Flickingers, but it is remarkable. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's literally the David versus Goliath story, but it wasn't unique to the Flickingers, Ashley, because mm. um, you know Procter and Gamble, which became my alma mater. But it, in those days, Procter and Gamble and Unilever were told not to sell uh, the Krogers, not to sell the Flickingers, not to sell the Cullen family, which is now selling their King Cullen chain, which was the first you of them. You were blackballed, in yeah. other words. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and so um, we vertically and horizontally integrated everything uh, from uh, farming to food manufacturing to distribution, food stores, retail stores, and develop um, a private label to canned tuna just to uh, fight did, the antitrust. Did antitri- you invent canned tuna? My uh, great-grandfather did before the Bogdanoviches <laughs> who invented Starkist. Mm. Oh, my gosh. What a claim to fame <laughs> that is. And the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, well, he went out to visit his brother, George, who he'd never met, who was mm. uh, given given up for an orphanage. And George started the first supermarket chain in California. And it was in Southern California yeah. where all the tuna boats came in. And they couldn't keep the product fresh. And there wasn't good refrigeration. So they said they were already canning fruits and vegetables. Why couldn't they can tuna? And the rest is history. Complete genius. <laughs> and tuna, the rest is history. That's a that's a part of the retail fabric. Every supermarket, <laughs> everyone knows that. And your family created that. Chicken of the sea. Yeah, you. right. Chicken of the sea. And, and fast forward, now they all got convicted of price fixing by the <laughs> federal government right. because Starkist, Bumblebee, Chicken of the Sea, yeah. uh, between the executive leadership and and everything else – 
instead of profitably driving demand uh, by investing in advertising and marketing with geniuses like Malen Pollock, who was the chief creative officer of Leo Burnett that mm-hmm. had, uh, invented Charlie the Tuna, they gave her no money to market uh, uh, Starkiss with Charlie the Tuna. And to her credit, she and Lenora Rand said, enough of this big corporate stuff where the big brands won't invest. And they started their own agency, Small Good, and uh, and and doing a tremendous job. And they're the David versus Goliath story because they couldn't do canned tuna when canned tuna should, should be ubiquitous and growing every year. So let's bring this full, fast forward into today's world. You, I, I, you are on the Fox Business Network a lot talking about the retail business. I think you, you quoted the Retail Ice Age. I think you were the first person to do that when we talked about the impact of people shopping online. And what does it do to brick-and-mortar stores? How much has the landscape changed in the retail industry? Landscape's changed, Ashley, with record number of retail chain bankruptcies, Record number of store closures. There were 12,000 store closures, as uh, you've referenced uh, earlier on uh, Fox Business Network. In 2018, there'll be even more bankruptcies and store closings in uh, 2019. And it's a combination of ineptitude by the federal bankruptcy judges and then ineptitude by the many of the private equity owners who leave the retailers undercapitalized with less uh, capable people that the private equity firms and also, uh, U.S. is overstored uh, because of uh, cheap, cheap financing and cheap debt. We're 400 percent overstored uh, and moving to 150 percent overstored, hence uh, the re- retail ice age. And then I think of the 80s. It was the, the, the decade of the mall, wasn't mm-hmm. it, where the, everyone used to go, go catch a movie, hang out with friends and the coffee, the food courts and all that. That's all gone. There's so many ghost malls out there right now. And I just noticed that Amazon is starting to move in and trying to perhaps convert some of these into warehouses, but they've been converted into high schools, businesses, churches even. I saw Mm -hmm. one down in Florida. I mean, it's a real change, but there are still so many malls out there gathering dust and, and, you know, going decrepit, if you like. I mean, these used to be the center of the communities. Malls were the center of the community. And what's underreported is we're going through the second cycle. John Rothschild wrote this seminal book uh, called Going for Broke when Bob Campo came from Canada, bought mm-hmm. dozens of department stores, ran them all into bankruptcy uh, with too much debt. Now we're going through the second cycle. But even with Amazon, uh, the Whole Foods guys uh, really, in my professional view, uh, really got greedy with uh, price gouging, people who couldn't afford to shop in their stores, we thought ray of sunshine uh, that Amazon would buy Whole Foods and transform it. Full disclosure, I and my team did the due diligence for 14 months, U.S., mm-hmm. Canada, and across America on the Whole Foods acquisition for the first buyer that was outbid by mm-hmm. Amazon. But we, we were glad that Amazon was coming in. Fast forward to last week with uh, Butch Castellani, go to Niagara Falls Boulevard, talk to the dean of architecture and development, University of Buffalo, Whole Foods, Amazon, Bulldoze, one of those great department stores and malls you talked about, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of square feet, built a normal size Whole Foods Amazon store. Store's supposed to do one and a quarter million a week. They're doing less than 200,000 oh because the entrepreneurial families that, that came out of farms and, mm-hmm. and one store, uh, Colleen and Danny and Nicole Wegman at Wegmans to Joe mm-hmm. Dash and his family and the Pernas and a number of others, it's the David versus Goliath story. The retailers that take care of the customers and have the most competitive prices and the best product win, 
And then I don't know if it's Jeff Bezos's divorce, which seems to be distracting him. And mm-hmm. in my professional view, but when you've got a one man, uh, one one man running the show like Bezos, the wealthiest in my view, probably the smartest guy who's ever mm. worked in retail, when he's going to the show, as we've talked uh, pre-broadcast, uh, uh, your producer mm. um, uh, Brian, uh, Brian, Brian, and I, when Bezos is going to the show instead of running the show. When he's acquired all these other businesses and he can't pay attention to the detail of retail and the rhythm of retail, his store of the future is falling apart. So his business is up 18.8%, which is great for the quarter that Amazon just reported, Mm -hmm. but it should be up 25%. And the retail ice age is, is really affecting Amazon because you make one mistake and it's so unforgiving uh, that even Amazon, with its uh, great progress, is is going backwards in bricks and mortar and I f- retail. I feel like that the marriage. Uh, there's been a lot of friction, hasn't there, between Whole Foods and Amazon? Mm-hmm. Whole Foods, as you say, was at a certain level. It was kind of a snob appeal. It was high end stuff, <laughs> expensive. Amazon comes in, tries to streamline the operation, change things, try to generate money in different ways, and it really has put the cat among the pigeons at, at Whole Foods. I, I I love the way you synthesize it, cat amongst uh, the pigeons, mm. because Whole Foods said an obtuse board, no term limits. Uh, the uh, co-founder, John Mackey, never gave uh, proper credit, in my professional view, to Peter Roy and Walter Robb, the seminal geniuses that all built Whole Foods uh, with, with the others. And for all his brilliance in the first 25 years, uh, you know, he, he got to be his own fat cat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people with a family of five with three young kids couldn't afford to pay 5000 more at Whole Foods versus what they were paying at Wegmans or Winco mm-hmm. or somewhere else. So where do we go with Amazon? It's a behemoth, and it's spreading its tentacles out in many different directions. It could get into banking and who knows healthcare. what, healthcare, airlines. I don't know where they're going to go next. They're going to buy their own, you know, sh- uh, uh, cargo planes, I'm sure, um, mm-hmm. to try and cut out the high cost of the, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. delivery services. But they can go in any direction. Um, is that good or bad? It's it's good that Amazon can go in any direction because they're doing a lot uh, to raise shoppers' standard of living uh, by uh, lowering prices to consumers. Our fear is that you know the Federal Trade Commission hasn't investigated anybody in over 27 years for predatory pricing and competitive practices. Think, uh, do you think a- Amazon? Can- Amazon should be in- investigated. Full disclosure, a long-term shareholder of Amazon, happy, but want to do the right thing. And they they should be investigated. At the same time— Investigated for what? um, uh, Predatory pricing, anti-competitive practices. How do they do that? Uh, Just classic example is the Hachette lawsuit of brutal buying practices for Hachette books and driving the book prices lower and then doing what uh, Professor Ken Stone at Iowa State and his— Great work, said Mr. Sam Walton, the founder of mm. uh, Walmart, did was Walmart would lower prices to everybody from the food food store, the drug store, the discount store, the department store went out of business. And then wherever Walmart wiped out Main Street, Walmart would raise the prices uh, mm. to the people left to the point uh, they couldn't afford it. And the Federal Trade Commission, given that uh, Walmart's been one of the largest campaign contributors to both Bushes, both Obamas, both Clintons. Mm-hmm. They've had all kinds of air cover in, in Washington for over 
25 years, and Amazon's had a lot of air cover with government giveaways and no antitrust investigation, so any retailer knows it can get away with whatever it wants because it doesn't matter if the Federal Trade Commission's chaired uh, by either party. Uh, they just want to go it's back safe. into private practice when they rotate off the FTC or the Department of Justice. Uh, so consumers and communities, to your great point of mm. uh, the ghost malls, mm. the taxpayers have to pay for the ghost malls because Sears and um, Hamburg near that uh, Whole Foods, right. uh, when they de- they defaulted, a mall that was worth uh, $55 million is going bankrupt, not even worth fifteen. But the Frontier Central School System, 78,000 students of mm. all ages mm-hmm. are depend- where the Buffalo Bills play. Uh, they, uh, they're dependent on that sales tax revenue that Amazon hasn't paid for years until recently. And with these ghost malls that you're presently pointing mm. out, that sales ta- those sales tax dollars and Don't all away. your listeners yeah. and taxpayers have to um, – pay higher school taxes, but they also have to pay for the pension plans on uh, defined benefits for the million, um, millions, the tens of millions of workers that get blown out when these retailers in the ghost malls So what close. can the brick-and-mortar guys do? You travel around the country extensively and outside the country for that matter, but you must see examples of this is how you take on the Amazons. What can you give the consumer that they, they can't get on Amazon. The 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 best thing is uh, creating uh, one one's own products and something really unique. So you look at who's winning when the rest of retail is losing. Uh, Jeff Brotman, uh, Jim Senegal, my uh, teammate from Procter and Gamble, Mike um, Parrott, who's uh, head of merchandising for Costco, always the treasure hunt. Costco, no matter what Amazon does. Very positive same-store comparison sales everywhere in the world. Uh, Chris Baldwin, uh, who was a great leader on our Procter & Gamble team, went to Hess Retail, turned it around. Uh, He passed on the priesthood, uh, much to his mother and grandmother's (laughs) disappointment (laughs) as the youngest son, uh, when he came out of Siena uh, College Mm. in in, uh, the Albany area. He's a great superstar, but he's a real inspirational leader. So at BJ's, New products, new services, like you said with Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, there's BJ's.com. But uh, consumers are most motivated on price because in their 10 key monthly budget areas, everything's going up from uh, rent to transportation to insurance to student debt, et cetera. Right. So they know they can go to BJ's and Costco, uh, save time, save money. They know they can go to off-price, Ollie's Bargain Stores, this closeouts. Or the off-price retailers, Ben Camerata and Carol Meyerowitz, the great job they did what, at Bert, TJX. If you're sitting on the sofa in your bunny slippers and you've got a laptop on you sitting there, you, you don't have to get in a car and be bothered to go and fight mm-hmm. traffic. And, you know, you can just click and someone will deliver it to you. And if you're a Prime member, you'll probably get it for free shipping. Ashley, you're bringing up uh, the, the, the key point that's so concerning in this new year of 2019 and, and going forward. I also uh, teach at uh, Cornell University, so we surveyed students worldwide. And to your point, 50% of the students uh, in the last month of the 2018 semester said they don't even go into a retail store. 50%. Is that that an age thing? Because when I was in college, I never did. But ever since I've graduated, I never shop online, especially for household things or, or groceries. 
I go to the grocery store. Maybe that's because I live in Manhattan. I don't know. But is that a, is that a factor of age, a college age? Age, age is a, a big part, uh, to, to your point, Brian. So these are students undergrad and grad between 17 to 25 from the People's Republic of China to Arabia, uh, to mm-hmm. Aus, Austra, Australasia, Europe, Russia, uh, the Americas. 50% of them did not go into a store last year. And of those, half of them do almost all their buying exclusively on Amazon. You know, the apartment building I, I live in here in Manhattan, the the concierge uh, guys, all they do all day is deal with packages yeah. from Amazon, 150, 200 a day. And if it's clothing or shoes or whatever it is, often they'll try them on. No, it didn't quite fit right. Or mm-hmm. So back goes the, the same box, has to be re- repurposed. It's a never-ending cycle and it's not just that it's food too the amount of people i don't think anyone's turned an oven on in my apartment building for years it's just a constant stream of people delivering food it's the way people live these days Mm -hmm. and and here's the ultimate irony uh to your and uh brian's important Mm. points is uh sears which is likely liquidating in the near future they had one of the great geniuses uh kurt avalon who ran a strategic uh bombing wing uh, for the Air Force, worked his way through both Harvard and Harvard Business Schools as, as a blue-collar kid's uh, stocking, uh, uh, stop-and-shop store shelves. And he was chief merchant of Sears, and uh, he he and um, Max and Jose at Takeoff mm-hmm. Technologies came up with roboticized, mechanized retail that Brian, Brian knows well. And it's a checkmate strategy against Amazon. So you can do regular bricks and mortar retail, whether it's food, drug, discount, dollar, and in 8,000 square feet, generate about a million a week uh, through these mechanized, roboticized, either uh, e-delivery, to your point, Mm -hmm. on apartments, or click and collect. So people can uh, pick up the general merchandise and the uh, shelf-stable products and pick out his or her own uh, produce and uh, fresh fish, et, et cetera. And any retailer can can pick up takeoff technologies, which Canap has taken to scale in Europe. And in 2018, they had uh, only uh, five stores in the U.S. Uh, and at the FMI, Food Marketing mm-hmm. Institute uh, Convention in Miami last week, they had 25 CEOs go through their Sedano's uh, prototype store in Miami, got orders for 85 new mechanized, roboticized micro-fulfillment centers across America. So Amazon has this great first-mover advantage where all three of us thought Amazon was a light year ahead a year ago, now through takeoff technologies. Mm -hmm. But the big story is really Walmart, where they went from family-owned and operated and the genius of Mr. Sam Walden from 62 to 1992 when he passed – his hand-picked successors ran the company well, and then his son, uh, Rob Walton, who was a lawyer, ran it like a lawyer, which was into the ground from, <laughs> from, a, from about 2000 uh, to 2015. Their stock price reflected it because it was the worst-performing yeah. stock in, in the Dow. Fast forward to Doug McMillan um, from Jonesboro, Arkansas, mm-hmm. uh, which is dirt-poor area – where Johnny Johnny Cash's brother died from a farm accident because there's no mm. hospital within a hundred miles. Now New York Institute of Technology is put, putting one in. Twenty years later, but Doug McMillan knows the hard work, and he ran Walmart worldwide, where Rob Walton was running everything in the U.S. 
bad board in my view. McMillan comes back to the U.S., hires Dave Crisioni, who of all the Cornell Summer Executive uh, Program students I taught, Dave was one of the one of the best in the world. Mm. Dave's running Amazon Go. Bezos is distracted. Mm. What does Doug McMillan do? First, he hires Mark Laurie, <laughs> who did did all all Amazon uh, Zappos, etc. Mark Laurie's now running Walmart.com in the Silicon Valley, hires Dave Crisione. Now what Walmart's doing in terms of their 1999 store in Avon, Colorado, where they've got a FedEx in mm-hmm. there, uh, you, you can – and uh, Mark Laurie said a few weeks ago that he'll be able to deliver to 90 percent of consumers in the U.S. from a Walmart e e-retail facility. So they've really picked up their game. I mean, yeah. for so long, you you alluded to it earlier, that Walmart was always the bully in the yes. neighborhood, was running mom-and-pop sh- yeah. stores out of business. And then all of a sudden, now they're the ones taking on the big bully, which is Amazon. Yeah, exactly as you're synthesizing it, it so well, Ashley. And and I, on the other side, uh, you've, you've um, you know, talked to a lot of the union leaders a- across the mm. U.S. and Canada and they've gotten tremendous uh, – Amazon and Walmart have gotten tremendous government giveaways at the federal, uh, state, and local level. And he told the union leaders, you know, you can support the Democrats all you want. But like Connie Leva, who was, who was head of one of the UFCW locals in Southern California, she saw the Democrats weren't getting it done. She ran for state senator, got elected. She'll challenge Barbara Boxer, Diane <laughs> Feinstein – to do what's right for the workers, the citizens. Mm-hmm. So you could be mm-hmm. non-union and win. You could uh, be union and win. Uh, but the Democrats, the union leaders, and we haven't been able to get any other news organizations to pick it up. Uh, but, Frank, the, uh, uh, what the union leaders said is that 98 percent of union rank-and-file members voted for President Clinton both times, voted for President Obama both, both times, mm-hmm. and 41 percent of them voted for President Trump hmm. against Hillary Clinton this time because the rank-and-file, even though the unions are funding the Democrats, right. the rank-and-file believe uh, 41 percent hmm. From two percent voting for yeah. Republicans because That's they remarkable. feel that their own bid. party is is betraying them, them at a local and national level. So, President Trump has spoken about you know the big business and especially Amazon, mm-hmm. and I think it's inevitable, right, that something's going to happen to them. Whether it's EU regulation, because the EU is yeah. usually the first one to come out with regulations, could be President Trump. Maybe he strips away their their U.S. Um, postal subsidies and all that kind of stuff, or is it sometime, some type of antitrust? But then, uh, then I wonder, because it seems like compared to the Standard Oils and the AT&Ts, don't they have a smaller market share in the retail industry? That's a good point. And also, Bert, just to pick up on Brian's saying, it's not like we're paying more because of the monopoly. They're driving prices lower, and it's yes. harder to, yeah. to get that antitrust you, that? Uh, uh, you know, across the line, so to speak, because we're paying less. That's the key, Ash- Ashley, exactly, as, as you're saying, is that – Walmart drove prices lower in the last quarter of the 20th century. Amazon's driving prices lower the first quarter of, of this century. And to your and Brian's points, though, the one thing, you know, it's, it's, it's like the pass at Thermopylae of the, the, Spart- the Spartans versus the Persians. 
Amazon's going to get to the point where, like you said, uh, so so accurately, 200 deliveries a day. There aren't enough Federal Express and UPS mm-hmm. and postal trucks to deliver it that much longer, and there's a shortage of drivers across the country. So uh, one of the, one of the things we're seeing in in retail is uh, Professor Neil Matson and Dean Catherine Boer and Professor Lou Albright at Cornell are doing indoor farming because they know that there has to be urban agriculture for fresh food because three years ago to get a truck from Salinas, California to Philadelphia cost $2,500. And now that same truck, $6,500 one way with no drivers. And Amazon's facing uh, that problem as is all the other clicking. What about driverless trucks? That's the big thing of the future, right? It's the uh, autonomous semis. Yeah, (laughs) that that can help it. But also Uber Freight, right? Uber Freight seems like, you know, they're – they're prepared to fill that void of uh, the lack of truck drivers, right? Because yeah. now you could sub, you now you could just click on your phone and they could take stuff. Maybe not, you know, huge hauls, but there's right. they could ship anything you need now. Brian, you're completely correct. And Uber Freight fills a big void in 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 terms of local less than 25 uh, mile an hour, uh, 25 mile delivery radius, mm-hmm. and regional within 100 to 200 miles. So that'll take uh, the pressure of some of the long-distance drivers and uh, pr- provide more opportunities because uh, trucking wages are, are 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 some of the some of the best best wages out there. And uh, it's it's interesting because uh, like Stuart Varney, who hitchhiked around the world and <laughs> yeah. traveled the world three to four times, every every continent, every. Uh, key country uh, before he went to London School of Economics and came here. Uh, just traveling as, as as you've done so extensively, Ashley mm. and uh, Brian and Neil Cavuto and, and your team. That's the best way to uh, learn mm. learn the markets and learn the opportunities. And it's really what Bob and Peggy Wegman did. Is these private equity people. And the analysts, they're all looking out the same skyscraper windows in in midtown Manhattan, a few blocks from here. But Bob and Peggy Wegman, God bless them. But, you know, you'd go to you'd go to their stores and they'd say they would be in the stores 200 days a year, including many Saturdays, Sundays. And it's not. Hi, how are you? They're there 12 to 14 hours and they're not meeting with the leadership right away. Mm -hmm. They're talking to all the part timers. What can we do better what are Wegman's consumers for uh, Dr. Edward Deming, uh, principles of total quality, continual improvement? And then they institutionalized that throughout the family with uh, Bob's son, uh, uh, Danny, and then Colleen and, and Nicole, who are running the mm. family, all the way to uh, Norman and Kelvin Maine, who are running Dorothy Lane Markets in a share group partnership uh, with the Wegmans. And that detail. The Wegmans knew every, Bob and Peggy and Danny, Colleen, Nicole, know every full-timer, tens of thousands of people by their first name. Bob in, in his 80s knew half half the people's uh, names, and they institutionalized everything they did from their store visits to CBL or computer-based wow. learning. So to your point, retail ice age, 
But when you have great leadership and it great innovation, you always win it. Should you know? Listen, I like, and I think Brian kind of alluded to it early. I mean, I like to go to shops. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I I physically want to pick right. something up because you can tell whether it's the quality you think it is, whether the fit's different, whatever it be. Do do, do retailers new? brick-and-mortar retailers, do they need to do a better job of making that experience unique? Make it unique, and as as, as, as you were saying pre-broadcast, you're traveling back and forth to London, mm. and as, as you see from Selfridges, which yep. is one retailer of the year, three years in a row. Uh, even, I just went in there literally yeah. a, a week ago. Fant- fantastic, fantastic retailer fantastic. owned by the Weston family mm. that developed President's Choice, so everything from food and shoppers' mm. drug to Selfridges. And then Harvey Nichols oh. is doing a fantastic job with digitization of every department. So every young consumer, it's it's like an iPhone or uh, watch watching Disney on any mobile device. So that's bringing customer counts in and you know uh, go, go across the high hyper section. experience experience. Mm-hmm. And then Harrods is doing nothing. To no. re- reinvest. Nothing. So Harvey Nichols with with their innovation in, in London, but that hasn't been mirrored and built on by retailers in the states. Well, that costs mm. more money, right? So if I'm if I'm a brick and mortar and I'm losing money to the Amazons and the other internet giants, now I have to spend more money on an on experience for when you come in. So that's even more money lo- leaving, correct? More money for the experience. You're absolutely right, Brian. But they could get their uh, fashion resources and suppliers to fund a lot of it. And the irony is with all the genius of Bob Pittman and, and Clear Channel Outdoor and mm-hmm. uh, and the others at J.C. Deckow and Outfront, which is CBS, as they've digitized the world starting with South mm-hmm. Korea and now globally with digital images and every metro stop, every every mm-hmm. highway, they haven't digitized retail. So it's a great experience when people are are commuting visually and informatively. But other than uh, Harvey Nichols in London and the leading retailers in South Korea and Japan, the U.S. retailers can be very obtuse, as are their industry associations. So they don't take the best ideas from around the world. They seem to be slow to react. Yes. Yes. Very slow to react and then have to scramble to catch up. I guess – we know what the landscape has changed to, but where are we going? How does, is Amazon going to have a legitimate competitor down the road here? I know Walmart's done much better in taking on Amazon, but it's still a behemoth. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you, where are we going? It's a it's a combination of Amazon, Walmart slash Jet dot com, uh, the David versus Goliath story of of Takeoff dot com, working with the major uh, regional chains uh, across America and, and Europe and elsewhere. But it's also going to be the family-owned and operated uh, leaders. And if you look at, you know, whether it's TJX, which is, you know, it's TJ Maxx and, and Marshalls, or, or whether it's uh, BJ's or Costco or Walmart, anybody, Harvey Nichols, uh, Selfridges, uh, with the Western organization, mm-hmm. Canada, worldwide, uh, where we're, um, Pack and Save in New Zealand, which is uh, – get given Woolies or Woolworths and everybody mm-hmm. fits. Uh, wherever you've got great leaders, you've you've got great innovation. And like you said, people will want to come into the shops yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, they'll tell, tell their friends. And when the people from the uh, People's Republic of China come to New Zealand, now uh, uh, Pack and Save's doing a million a week. 
Good just grief. with the Chinese nationals shipping safe products from uh, baby powder and formula and baby food to all these other packaged mm-hmm. goods because mm-hmm. they don't trust the manufacturing and the quality control. So uh, w- uh, whether it's uh, Wegmans or, or uh, West, Weston or Winco, mm-hmm. uh, that trust of quality, safety, mm-hmm. as well as service, taking care of the customer – People can win on online and in store, and Macy's too. Macy's dot com, as you yeah. know, is seventh largest uh, retailer in the world, and they'll be the net consolidator on land as well. Well, it seems like during the you know the big financial crash and all that, the the people that you know survived were the the large sellers that could keep uh, costs low, right? The Amazons, the WalMarts, right, and then the super luxury. Mm. brands, right? The Louis Vuittons, right? Mm-hmm. The Tiffany's, you know, a lot of those companies were able to survive. Are we going to see more polarization in retail where that middle, that middle of the road, middle bracket, that middle bracket, you know, I guess you can even say, I mean, like the Macy's of the world, are those going to start dying out more and more and just have polarization of, you know, buy, sell a lot for a low cost or sell very few for a high cost? It's a perfect point, Brian, in terms of polarization, because you will have uh, luxury, uh, high end, especially with oil markets correcting. Uh, we we see the shopping from um, people who have uh, the petrodollar fortunes mm-hmm. uh, from from uh, 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 the middle Middle East mm-hmm. uh, or or Russia or elsewhere. Uh, uh, Brazil, they'll spend a uh, hundred thousand an hour in their families in the leading department stores in the gateway <laughs> cities, U.S., Europe, uh, uh, Bon Marche, Rive Gauche, and, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Paris, and and um, uh, Printemps, uh, Selfridges, mm-hmm. etc. And people are more motivated on price than ever before because the cost of livings uh, get, uh, getting higher. And uh, the opportunity uh, in terms of savings, the stock market, uh, Fox Business News, power to prosper. <laughs> to your credit, you help people make a lot of money, <laughs> but a lot of the other, other networks uh, d- d- don't have that focus on the individual and institutional investor. Mm. So, so there, there is the polarization between the middle and, and high end. And Macy's is kind of in the intersection because they have off price with backstage. Just, you mm-hmm. know, they have Bloomingdale's. They have international, their partnership uh, with their great partner, ATG or Altair Group, as well as uh, uh, the Macy's stores uh, doing very well. And now they're the number, they'll be the number one toy retailer this year Hmm. because they have Lego uh, full line. Plus Toys R Us are no longer around. All (laughs) all the key Toys R Us suppliers, to Ashley's point, are are now at Macy's. So so some Hmm. of the, and Kohl's Mm -hmm. is, is really capitalizing on toys. So some of the retailers in in the middle uh, will will win, mm-hmm. but you're right. There's a real business barbell between mm-hmm. low price, off price, uh, and and yeah. luxury. And your great great insight. Uh, the middle seems to be the no man's land, which mm-hmm. which is the, where to worry. But what I'm hearing from you, uh, Bert, is that what's critical to the success of any retailer has to be the management. Because they make a wrong step or they're too slow to react or they just don't have that vision, it's the beginning of the end. Yeah, it's it's management exactly right, Ashley, but it's also the brand suppliers worldwide. Um, when when um, 
in, a, in addition to having uh, elef- free elephant rides when we opened uh, stores for little kids, <laughs> yep. we more importantly, we had a rule that uh, advertising as a percent of sales should always be at least 2 to 2.5%. Now that in my professional view, the McKinsey's of the world and the big consulting firms are saying uh, cut, cut advertising down to the bone – and we're also seeing the brand suppliers do that. Uh, so Craft uh, under Warren Buffett or Kraft Heinz, mm. uh, Unilever, uh, et cetera. So I, we like the Michelle Rue model. He, uh, he, he went to Bill Tragos at TBWA and said, I've got a vodka. It's unfiltered. Shenley and Schmirnoff is, is actually, is actually uh, cleaner, smoother. I've got a distinctive taste. I don't have anything else. Bill Trago said, always invest 4% of your sales, no matter how high they get, back into advertising, com- consumer communication, and brand building. And the abs- absolute story was the perfect example, and it gets to what you're saying on management. Mm. Management, um, you know, it's like Chelsea Clinton coming out of Harvard Business School as a Baker scholar after riding around in limousines yeah. uh, all the time, what's she going to tell management while she's work when she was working for McKinsey about marketing? And so you've got all these um, uh, Mensa Society M- M- MBAs who moronically know nothing about management, leadership, mm. and marketing and brand building, and the people who hire from the state colleges and the land grant and the agriculture colleges and universities, they're the ones that win, like Cargill hiring Greg Page out of University of North Dakota and, mm-hmm. you know, all, all, all the uh, state colleges. They're the ones with the most CEOs, the best retailers, most ma- managers. And uh, Harvard Business School, Yale, uh, that 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 i i ninety five uh, they all area, come out with theories. privileged people yes. right theories but they haven't it's, been on the ground yeah like you're saying Ashley the Yale professor who who <laughs> gave um, the future CEO of FedEx a C minus saying that the FedEx paper he submitted yeah. at Yale Business School was absurd <laughs> and, and, and Fred well, Smith right? went to pr- prove it to your point management leadership insights and hard work. Like Herb Kelleher with Southwest Airlines, shoulders rolled up, throwing the luggage, loading the planes, gassing them up, you know, talk to the pilots, uh, serving serving the peanuts with the flight attendants. That's the kind of leadership and management you need yeah. that we're not seeing in the world to, enough of in mm. the world today. You know, Ashley, it's every time I talk to Bert, whenever yeah. he comes on the show, I always speak to him. It's unbelievable how many companies and how many people in the retail world he knows. You oh, know, I'm always it's, astonished. It's remarkable. I bet. I bet mm. you can give him, throw three companies at him randomly, and he'll be able to tell you about them. Well, you give will, him three. Can you do that? Procter and Gamble. You used to work at Procter and yeah. Gamble. Yeah, what's you your eleven years? What are your thoughts? Uh, it's interesting, and is is you you and Brian and Stewart mm. put together yesterday, the day after the Super Bowl, s- some of the most wretched advertising yes. between their yes. agencies with 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 the uh, horror show figure for Olay, which is supposed to be a beauty product right. and making people feel better, uh, and, you know, all the ways to original legacy P&G mm. brands like Pringles, you know, it doesn't do anything to drive consumer demand. So it's with Jerry Della Femina, who who wrote, wrote, the, wrote the book, um, 
about uh, Japanese taking over the auto industry called mm-hmm. the same people that gave us Pearl Harbor. And uh, Jerry runs Del, uh, Femina, uh Advertising, one of the great advertising geniuses, uh, worked his way up from the streets of Brooklyn in the mailroom. He said, why, with this horrible advertising on the Super Bowl, why would anybody spend $5 million? Mm-hmm. He told all his clients not to spend money because you you drive demand from the bottom up, understanding the consumer, knowing the competitor. Right. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's what Procter & Gamble, they're getting a little bit better but they 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 lost it um, in in their hundredth anniversary in uh, nineteen seventy nine when their market shares were three hundred percent higher than they are today with wow. all the Yale and I ninety five and and MBAs um, from Yale, Princeton, uh, Penn, and Harvard. All right, another name for you. Uh, I lived in Nashville for ten years. Great uh, local store. I say local store. They're everywhere. Kroger. Uh-huh. Uh, Kroger. Uh, when you were there run by uh, one of the uh, women I find uh, in, in retail are t- uh, typically mm. smarter than the men. So Marnette Perry was running the Delta region in Nashville when you were there. Yeah. Saw, saw them having uh, great success, took uh, Cecil's in, in uh, Memphis, run ba- into bankruptcy by three other retailers after the Cecil family sold it. Marnette turned it around. Uh, unionized operator uh, could compete with anybody, union or non-union, by great leadership, supporting the local mm. farmers, uh, the local uh, food and beverage manufacturers, and Kroger under Dave Dillon, who, in my view, uh, was the finest CEO in any format of, of retail uh, worldwide, uh, just had the best and the brightest and got the uh, greatest ideas from everybody and uh, did it perfectly. He's right ahead of uh, Frank Blake who didn't come out of retail, but I remember it was almost exactly 10 years ago today, and I was trying to turn it around uh, after Bob Nardelli uh, moved on to Chrysler. And he said, my agency just raised my ad budget 5%, 5%, and our sales aren't growing. What do I do? I said, A, your agency's absurd because you just had a presidential election, so they should give Mm you a 10% decrease in advertising costs. They want to run TV commercials so they can get 100% commission the first 100 days of the year in case you cut advertising right. for business to reasons. to cover themselves. So you don't need, you, you need um, Fox Business TV, the number one rated shows, but you also need Fox Radio and the other mm. uh, radio networks because uh, drive time weather, mm. uh, drive, uh, drive time traffic, Drive time news, drive time business news, where uh, pe- people get, people get the facts. And Frank did what he calls a hard rudder right, and he and his Home Depot team uh, uh, completely turned it around by changing their ad- advertising uh, mix, which uh, PNG and still failed to do. But Kroger did it well, to your point. Mm. Home Depot did it well. The same same year, I spoke at. The, uh, with David Plouffe, President Obama's campaign managers, co-featured speakers, chief marketing officer, um, uh, global global awards. Mm-hmm. The Lowe's people were were dancing on the table, saying, "Ah, oh, Frank Blake was it a retailer? You know, we're bearing him. We're uh-huh. increasing our share with women, pros, contractors, men." And now you look at Lowe's, uh, Home Depot completely turned the. Turn the tables, Turn the tables. on, on Lowe's. Not dancing now. <laughs> to Lowe's had to hire some of Frank's great great leaders, Joe McFarland mm. in operations, 
and merchandising in addition to Marvin Ellison, Home Depot legacy alums to turn Lowe's around when they Lowe's was laughing at Home Depot ten years yeah, ago. But it's management leadership. Like that's you exactly said. right. You are a walking encyclopedia. <laughs> no one knows this industry more than you, inside and out. It's in his blood, and it's in his blood for sure. Well, we know that. We're almost out of time, but I guess my final question is: How do you shop? Do you do a lot of shopping online? I, I I I do it all. So we 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 test drive every online retailer, and go to stores. And what we like to do in this in the stores is is what we call the second and third shift work. Uh, when they we're, we're obviously there during daylight hours, but we want to see the back of the stores, the loading docks, all the things that's going right and wrong. What's happening on night crew? Uh, what's happening on holidays? So so during during the holidays, I work seventeen days straight with our team, seven mm. days a week, two two and a half you know, quote unquote shifts or 17 to 20. Well, you know, if I we're teaming up with you on Black Friday, you know, all of us have been up for like mm-hmm. 35, yeah. 35 hours straight. Uh, but it's the detail of retail. And my my uh, grandfather, Bert Flickinger Sr., dropped out of Harvard uh, when the Woodrow Wilson refused to go into World War One and join the French Army Ambulance Corps to uh, take the wounded and the dying from the Western Front. And I, and I asked him, I said, Grandpa, why did you do that? He said, the horror of people getting killed and you have to learn from all the bad things, all the good things, you, Brian, your network, you're always educating and teaching people. And that's what we learn, lifelong mm-hmm. learning. And it starts the stores to the farms, to the factories, uh, to the drivers and all the blue-collar people that's why you're number one, and the blue-collar people, to Brian's point, uh, uh, voted for the president for the first time because they felt betrayed by the Clintons. So it's that lifelong learning. Bill Clinton, in my view, is one of the smartest people in government ever born, but he, he learned, um, but from personal experience, you know from trying to save a number of bankrupt retailers in New York State, Hillary Clinton was one of the most arrogant people and wouldn't even write letters to the Federal Trade Commission when when asked to save bank and so uh, thousands of families with full time jobs and benefits got thrown into, into the streets as five of the top ten retailers with operations in New York State were there. Mm-hmm. She did not have lifelong learning, and as my grandfather told me from the Western Front in Europe and uh, beating the Germans the first time. You see the horrors, you try to help, you try to stop, and it's really what Coach uh, Doug and Louise Dara do at Cordell. Those scholarships, all these kids coming from the farms, you know, between equipments and skates, they're paying 100000 a year, leading the Canadian and U.S. team to Olympic and gold medals, contending for the national championship. But like Co- Hall of Fame coach Richie Moran and lacrosse, who wrote It's Great to Be Here, and the Dara said, Outwork everybody every second, every mm. corner, every meter, every centimeter of the ice, forecheck, backcheck, what they learned from uh, NCAA D1 coach Ned Harkness, only guy to win NCAA championships, two sports, hockey and lacrosse uh, at two universities. Just outwork, learn, adjust, and you saw it so brilliantly as you commented on what Bill Belichick did in the Super Bowl two days ago is – Here's a humble kid, uh, son, of, son of a football coach, carrying a clipboard, going to the Naval Academy. Nobody will hire him, but Bill Belichick, lifelong learning. 
as he and others have taught us all, is is what always works with leadership and care and compassion for people that don't get care and compassion always from government and, and private equity and these big firms try, try, trying to put working people on the streets. What a great place to finish right there, but beautifully said. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you today. You have so much knowledge. Um, you could probably write 100 books and still have much, much more to say, but uh, we really appreciate you being here today, and we hope you come back and keep us updated on what's going on out there in the retail world. Love, love, love to team up and uh, hope, hope you get um, – Jerry Delfamina and you know, <laughs> Coach Doug and Louise Dara, yes. uh, Coach Moran, because in terms of lifelong learning, uh, you know, starting with nothing and their players starting with nothing, and now they're leaders of the leading networks and organizations and corporations around the world with what they've learned uh, work, working their way up. But thank you so much thank again you, for being Ashley here today. Brian. I'm Ashley thank Webster you. along with Brian Solomon. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here next time. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.